You're listening to Answering Difficult Questions Biblically, a Sunday school series taught by Pastor Dan Christians at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Last week um, and the week before that, we spent time looking at the issue of eternal security, the eternal security of the believer. And my goal last week was to tackle a number of different passages that are difficult generally and explain how we, uh, or those of us who believe in eternal security, understand those passages. However, we only really got to one big passage, and then we really quickly went through Hebrews chapter 6, and we looked at uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 2. I wanted to really quickly start out just like answering that question from 2 Timothy chapter 2, before we get into our first question today. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, is the problem verse. And it says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The first thing we might ask is, what day is going to come? And the day is mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So that's the day that's being spoken of, and it's the day that won't come until the falling away comes first. Now, a question we might have is, what is the falling away? And it's, it's pretty easy in English to just dismiss that, but when you get into Greek, the word is, um, the word is written here. It's apostia, okay? It, it's the word we get for um, somebody who apostatizes or uh, apostasy. And so when we see that, we wonder, wait, so does that mean before the day of the Lord, there will be this event where Christians fall away from their faith? Okay, they, they've lost their faith, they apostatize. And I think the answer is that's not referring to Christians. And I'll tell you why I think that. First of all, it's certainly not referring to an individual because it, it's, it talks about it as if it's an event, right? It's the falling away. So it's not one person falling away from their faith. It's a group of people falling away from something to something else. The only other time in the New Testament that this word exactly is used is in Acts 21 verse 21. And it's talking about uh, when Paul shows up and James is talking to Paul and he's in uh, Jerusalem. So he's been traveling around. He's gone on his missionary journeys. He's come back to Jerusalem and he's told them about what's happening. But James is kind of telling him, hey, just a heads up. Um, we know that uh, there's some people, there's some Jews here that, that you've been telling Moses or you've been telling people that they don't have to follow the law of Moses anymore. And so in Acts 21, 21, he says, but they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Okay? Now that is not referring to a complete apostasy of faith. It's not people who have fallen away from belief in God to a belief in something completely different than God. It's referring to people who were once following Moses and Moses' law in order to be saved, but Paul is teaching them to fall away from that toward a grace-based life. And particularly, he's teaching those who are Jews living in a Gentile culture. 
say, hey, Jews living in a Gentile culture, you no longer have to keep all of these rules and all of these ceremonies and all of these traditions anymore because you're not saved by those things. You're saved by grace through faith, and so you don't need to be bound by the law anymore. You can fall away from that to a grace-based life, okay? So the word apostia in Greek doesn't necessarily mean apostasy from faith, but there's more evidence in the text. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, and with all the unrighteous deception among those who perish, so the deception is among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the people being deceived are those who did not receive Christ. They did not receive the truth. Verse 12 says that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And then verse 13 says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you to salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So whatever the falling away is, it's not believers who have put their faith in Christ, who have accepted the truth, who are now moving away from that. And I think that the falling away would probably refer to people just generally leaving off a belief in God to pursue unrighteousness. And we certainly understand that, we, that there's a lot of religious people in culture who would accept that God exists, maybe even have some kind of belief in Jesus, but that, that they could very easily fall away from those good beliefs, though they haven't been saved, they could fall away from those good beliefs toward living a life that is marked by unrighteousness, that is, is, is completely atheistic um, in its outlook. The last verse in Thess- 2 Thessalonians 2.16, and this is when Paul, Paul is now addressing the church, telling him what he thinks of them. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and a good hope by grace, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So his, his prayer now for the church and his rejoicing now is the fact that God has given us an everlasting consolation. We have, we have an everlasting comfort in a good or a sure or an absolutely guaranteed hope. So if their salvation was dependent on them not falling away, on them continuing in righteousness, by themselves, within their own good works, then I don't think he could say that God is the one who gave us this everlasting comfort and a sure hope. And so we couldn't be... He wouldn't be saying, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He wouldn't be saying, because you are saved, you should now do good works. He would be saying, you need to keep doing good works so that you can keep being saved, right? So the order there is important, okay? That's just that question really quickly, okay? Does everybody... Can we wrap that, that up for now? If you have any questions about certain passages that relate to eternal security, I would love to talk to you. So please come and see me, um, let me know, and, and we'll go over them, and it, it'll be a great time. I was hoping to do that last week more, but I'm not going to take more time on it today, all right? So let's get on to question number 16. Are you ready? Question number 16 is, did Jesus die... On Thursday or Friday? Did Jesus die on Thursday or Friday? In other words, how many days was Jesus in the grave? Now, some of you 
think, yeah, okay, well, Good Friday, right? We celebrate Jesus' death on Good Friday. Three days later, we celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so we already know the answer why you're bringing this up. Well, you might not be aware, but there is a, a fairly large number of believers, and, and even some scholars, who think that Jesus died on Thursday, and others who say that, no, Jesus actually died on Wednesday. And that's, that's interesting. And you might think, well, why in the world is that? Well, we know that Jesus rose again on the first day of the week, and we know that he was put to death the day before the Passover. And the Passover is Saturday, the first day of the week is Sunday, so Friday, Saturday, so, I mean, we should be pretty secure in this. But is this, is this a fact? Now, if you were um, on Friday and somebody said, hey, what's happening in two days from now? Okay, then what would you tell them? You would start telling them what's happening on Sunday. Because two days from now is Sunday. Now, it is important to know that the way that we do time, which is 12 a.m. to 12 p.m., is different than the way that the Jews did time. They would do from dusk till dusk. So the new day started at dusk, and then it ended at dusk the next day. Um, and for a Jew, it was common if, if a day was touched, even for an hour. So if Jesus died on Friday before dusk, then Friday would be considered one of the days then you'd have Saturday, and if he rose again after dawn, then Sunday was also considered a day. Yes? Was there dawn and dusk the same time all year round? No, it was, it was based on the sun. Right. Yeah. So, um, but we do know that he was taking off, taken off the cross. Um, and it, let, let me, let's, so in Mark, actually we're going to be in Mark 15 today, and some of the verses I'm using right now I'm using, which just worked out really handy for me. Mark chapter 15, verse 42, says, Now when evening was come, so it's evening, but it's not dusk yet. It's those few hours before dusk, before night, in the evening. Because it was a preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So he makes it very clear that this is the day before the Sabbath. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent um, council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in and asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Verse 45, so when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph, and he brought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in the linen, and laid him in the tomb which had been hewn out of the rock, a rock a, and rolled a rock, a stone, I can't read, against the door of the tomb, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. So what we have here is this, this panic from Joseph of Arimathea, who has seen that Jesus died, and does not want to allow his body to stay on the cross for the entire Sabbath day. Because they wouldn't be allowed to take him down as soon as dusk hit. And so at that point, his body would be left for the birds and the animals and just to be hanging there for the next 24 plus hours. So he is in a mad, frantic rush to go to Pilate, then to go to the Roman centurion, to take him off the cross, to wrap his body, and to put him in his own grave. Okay? And so that, that seems to be done very quickly, also that it was done before the Sabbath hit, because then he would be forced to rest. We also have, 
women who are there and they are witnesses, which makes me think it was still light out when they were seeing it all happen. All right? So, here's the wrench, because it all seems very clear. The wrench is in Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You turn to Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, and sure enough, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Well, it's easy for me to reconcile three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's more difficult to reconcile three nights. Friday night, Saturday night, where is Sunday night? doesn't happen yet. So, then you say, well, hold on. How about this whole thing about the feast day and about it being Sabbath and it was preparation and had to come off? Well, that can be explained by the fact that there were times that were feast days in the Jewish calendar, and those days were considered like a bonus Sabbath an extra day of rest. And so, if Friday was one of these feast days, which we know it was around Passover, and this could have been the the Feast of Unleavened Bread, then maybe Friday was also called a Sabbath day, and so the preparation day was on Thursday. So, that leaves us with easily three nights, maybe four days, depending on how you're counting, but certainly three nights. So it solves one problem. Um, But then you have the church who for 2,000 years have been celebrating Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so, so what do we do? Do we change Good Friday to Good Thursday and, and move Monday, Thursday back to Monday, Wednesday and Ash Wednesday? You know, Ash Tuesday, do do we just start to reorganize the way the calendar's been set up forever? Or is there another way of understanding this? And I I would say that the reason that this is still disputed is because neither option is fully satisfying. Okay? There's problems both ways. Uh, If you look at, if you if you decide that Thursday is the day, then it's hard to reconcile statements in Matthew 16, 21, Luke 9, 22, and elsewhere, where Jesus says he will rise again on the third day. But if Jesus was actually dead for three full days and three full nights, then he would be rising again on the fourth day. But he didn't rise again on the fourth day, he rose again on the third day. And so that would be more difficult to reconcile. The other point is uh, there was women, the women who were at the tomb, it says that they bought spices and then they rested on the Sabbath. This is in Luke 23, 56. And so, if they bought spices and then rested on the Sabbath, and then the next morning, on Sunday morning, went early to anoint the body of Jesus, does that mean that they bought spices and then they rested for two days on the Sabbath? What some people would say is, I mean, what, what I think happened is that they were at, the, at the, the crucifixion. They saw his body taken down. They saw him being buried. Um, it seems pretty clear when you compare Mark's gospel with, with John's gospel that they were not aware 
that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had taken care of the anointing of the body of Jesus. They didn't know that they had all of those things purchased and ready to go, and so they already did the anointing of Jesus. So they were in this mad rush to leave so that they could buy the spices necessary so they could come back at their first possible moment to anoint the body of Jesus. So I think that's what they did. I think they, they left on Friday, quickly bought spices, and then came back early on Sunday morning. But some would say, if there is the, actually, the reason that some people believe that Wednesday is the day that Jesus died is to reconcile this verse, that they would say, no, it was the Sabbath day after, and so they, they had to have a day that was not a Sabbath day in between the feast Sabbath and the regular Sabbath. And so Wednesday has to be the the extra day. Do you see how confusing it can get when you're trying to make everything fit perfectly? There is one thing, too, that I think is at least worth noting. Uh, The Sabbath that's mentioned here is never called anything other than a regular Sabbath. And that, that, it doesn't have to be, but I would expect it to be. If there was a, a unique bonus Sabbath that was taking place, then one of the four gospel writers, with all the details that they gave, make me think that they would probably give that detail as well. So then why did Jesus say for three days and three nights he would be in the belly of the earth, just like Jesus, Jonah was in the belly of the fish? And that's where it's, I mean, the answer, my answer is not entirely satisfying either. I think that when Jesus did that, when he said that, uh, he was not attempting to be scientific. He was not trying to give an exact, like, this many hours, this many. I think what he was trying to do is make the point that just like Jonah, for a limited time, was basically dead. He was in the belly of the fish, but then three days later, he was let go. In the, in the exact same way, it would, be, it would be a limited period of time that I will be dead, and then I'll rise again on the third day. And so... It doesn't fully make sense of the three nights statement. Um, the three nights statement is only found in one place in Scripture. And um, I, I think that part of that, again, is um, as Canadians, as North Americans, as Westerners, uh, we require everything to be precise, chronological, exact. Uh, that's how our minds are trained to work. And that wasn't the case um, in Middle Eastern culture. Uh, with, when we're looking at the Bible, we must recognize that the Jews did have um, a greater value on history and time than the vast majority of other cultures out there, but they still didn't, they still didn't do it like, like we do. All right? They were still far less specific. Chronological order mattered less to them um, than it does to us. So that's the best solution that I can give you. Um, I would still say that Jesus died on Friday and rose again on Sunday. Uh, but I don't think that you, can, that you lose your salvation <laughs> if you believe it's Thursday. <laughs> I don't necessarily even think you're wrong. I just don't think you're right. <laughs> so, all right, uh, let's move on. We good? Anybody have any thoughts, comments, comments, questions? Yes? I'll give you another wrench. The 
Ooh, I love more wrenches. Okay, we celebrate Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. The first day of the week, Jesus entered Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That day was the 10th of the first month of the Jewish calendar. Mm -hmm. You selected the lamb on the 10th day, and on the 14th day, mm -hmm. the, slam, the lamb was slaughtered. Mm -hmm. So if you talk about it, if you talk that Jesus was crucified on a Friday, then Palm Sunday would be Palm Monday. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because, because if, if, we're, if Jesus is the lamb, then he would have had to be killed on the Thursday for the whole analogy to fit. Now, so the only... Now, one, more, one more thing to that. Okay, on the 14th day, the Passover lamb was slaughtered. Mm -hmm. Okay, on the 14th day of the month, Jesus was crucified. Mm -hmm. So if you add that, uh, the Lord's Supper was actually on a Wednesday night, and Jesus was crucified in our terms, mm -hmm. which is actually the 14th day of the Jewish calendar, and Jesus was crucified the same day as the Lamb. So you're a Wednesday guy? No. Oh, you're Thursday guy. You're Thursday guy. Okay, so this is now. They, they, you said that Jesus was crucified on the fourteenth day, and that's because he must be crucified on the same day as the lamb would have been killed for it to fit. But if that wasn't necessary, if there was no, because I might. I might say, well, Jesus and the disciples met for the Passover celebration. And so they were celebrating the meal that would have been celebrated as the, after the lamb is killed and there. Yes, so, the lamb was, the lamb was uh, sacrificed in the evening. On Wednesday? Uh, well, in our Wednesday night, which would be Thursday morning. morning. The Jews, the, the yeah. Day. So he was crucified. They, they, uh, in fact, if you take a look at the uh, the whole scenario, mm -hmm. uh, it fits exactly in with the uh, the Jewish Passover feast. In back in the in Exodus, they had the meal. They got ready to travel. Mm -hmm. So the disciples. They were all ready to travel. They traveled to the Garden of Gethsemane. Everybody except for Mark, which was in his nightgown when he went up there. Mm -hmm. And then the next, the crucifix, or the courtyard was taken. The court and everything was that night. And Jesus was crucified in the morning. As you said, last week when you were, last time, somebody was talking about he, uh, he was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like it fits all in that one day, but you have to start the day in the evening. But just if now if he if the lamb was killed on our Thursday night, yes, no. our Wednesday night, their Thursday morning, morning night, because um, for them night was before day essentially. Yes. Uh, then. When did they, like, enjoy the Passover celebration? 
So it was killed, and then they ate, like, immediately. I feel like the slow cooker would have taken longer. <laughs> the rotisserie, see? And that takes a while. It takes a bit. Okay, so what, we're just going to... Okay, next, in two weeks... In two weeks, Tom is going to be teaching a course on frequently asked questions. And he's going to tell you all the things that I did wrong. But I... So I, I think that maybe, like, the, the sticking point would be... Is it absolutely necessary that Jesus, as the lamb, is crucified on the 14th? Yes. Well, you would say yes. But the Bible doesn't say it was on the 14th. And, and on the, in Exodus, it says that the, that the lamb would be crucified. Yeah. And I think that they enjoyed the Passover feast on the Thursday night, which is, would be pretty normal for them to do. And then he was crucified the next day. But, I mean, it doesn't mean I think you're not saved. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so many things. I, I actually, did, I did run into that whole thing. And I was like, nah, I don't know. But you make, a good, you make a good case, Tom. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.